I'm Andrea Hope, and this is To Mother. Episode 2, The Virus and the New Year. Hi, this is Andrea Hope. I was originally going to do this episode just about the new year, but then I was like, I can't just pretend like something gigantic isn't happening all over the world. So I'm going to talk a little bit about coronavirus and um, then I'm going to talk about Nauru's. So I'm kind of a really chill person when it comes to big things. There's this philosophy from one of the Dalai Lamas that basically says that if you if you have a problem and there's a solution for it, why worry? If you have a problem and there isn't a solution for it, why worry? <laughs> so basically, don't worry. Um, and I would say a lot of problems that we have in life, there are solutions for. So the coronavirus is no exception. The guidance that we're getting is to wash our hands, to stay away from people who seem like they're sick. Of course, they're going to be working on a vaccine. So yeah, this is a problem that has a solution. I don't know, for some reason, for me, it's um, easier to worry about someone not filling up the water filter. <laughs> like those little things I have more of a struggle with detachment with, but these kind of big things where your life is at stake, I feel very much like you do the best that you can. I'm so much about the quality of life and living in a state of fear and anxiety. It doesn't work for me. And, um, you know, actually, if you're stressing yourself out, you're making yourself more susceptible to illness. I'm sure we've all experienced where you get a headache or something happens and then you stress out and that tension is actually what makes it worse or you're having a procedure you know like the more you tense up the more you fight it usually the harder it becomes so uh, doctors and dentists and medical practitioners will really try to encourage you to just relax you know just (laughs) calm down so um, if you're feeling really tense um, I don't want to downplay the importance of this because it is affecting a lot of people And it does have the potential to spread really quickly, um, like we can see in China and Italy. But I do want to say you can take precautions without freaking out. You know what I mean? You can think about the solution and be cautious without uh, panicking. Rain Wilson just released a great interview with Dr. Robert Kim Farley, where he talks about really just practical, sensible things as a medical professional, what he knows about the virus and the issues involved and how we can approach this as Baha'is, as spiritual, moral people. So this was really helpful for me because I was kind of like, I understand we're not supposed to go out like if we're sick, that made sense to me, but I didn't understand why everyone was social distancing themselves because if you're not having symptoms and you're really extroverted like me <laughs> and you, you like to be around other people can't you just take the precautions of like washing your hand and then still just get going on with your life and interacting with people and so that interview really helps me with my perspective that you're not going out in consideration for other people so I might not have symptoms of the virus but I might be carrying it And, you know, I'm in my 30s and I'm uh, quite healthy. I don't have any allergies or any medical issues that I know of. So perhaps it's not going to affect me much more than the flu, but I might not know that I have it and then pass it to someone that it's going to affect dramatically. And as you probably heard, like with kids, for instance, they're really not showing uh, strong symptoms. So if a child does have it, you're not even like sure, like thankfully they aren't getting as sick as adults are getting, um, but they could still have the virus and 
not be showing the signs or not be showing strong signs and then go to a grandparent's house and pass the virus and then that grandparent is going to be affected by it in a very different way than the child. So that was really helpful to me. So I think that's pretty much what I'm going to say about it. But now we're going to talk about NARUs. So um, NARUs is coming up soon. So there won't be another podcast episode by NARUs. So I'll say now, happy NARUs to everyone. Um, I know there's a couple more days of the fast, but accept my NARUs greetings. And you might be interested to know that in a lot of religions, they celebrate the new year at different times of year. So there's Rosh Hashanah in the Jewish faith, and I know um, the Islamic New Year is in the fall, it's in August. And for Baha'is, the New Year is marked at the end of March, which is the month of Allah. I think it's so wonderful that our New Year is in the spring, and the significance of that is the rebirth. And so there's an analogy here for our Naru's happening with the spring equinox, that this is also um, the springtime, like the divine springtime. So I'm going to read a quote that refers to this. Just as the world of nature becomes sweet-scented and fragrant through the breezes of spring and barren fields bloom anew and grow verdant, so does the celestial power emanating from the quickening breezes of this divine springtime bestow new life on the world of being and prepare it for wondrous progress, both material and spiritual. So I'm going to have that quote one more time because there are a couple of different concepts in it. I think in general, I'm probably just going to do quotes twice because uh, the second time you can always get a bit more from it. Just as the world of nature becomes sweet-scented and fragrant, through the breezes of spring and barren fields bloom anew and grow verdant, so does the celestial power emanating from the quickening breezes of this divine springtime bestow new life on the world of being and prepare it for wondrous progress, both material and spiritual. So the significance, um, as I said, this comparison to the divine springtime uh, refers to the messengers of God. So each time a messenger of God comes, they are bringing the spring. So generally a messenger of God comes and there's all this buzz around the messenger and there are a lot of people who persecute the messenger, but there are also um, a lot of people who recognize the divinity and the reason that these faiths continue is that there are people who are so committed that they sacrifice their lives, they go out teaching, um, they spread all over. And because of this, the teachings spread and there's a new energy and there's a new focus on God and on the purpose of life and morals. And then what happens, as we know, is that over time, things start to get a bit loose. <laughs> Laws start to get a bit confusing. And um, I won't give any specific examples of, of that because I don't want to like target a specific religious group and say, oh, this is happening here. But definitely you can see situations where governments where people adhere to a certain religion or religious communities, they start to pick and choose what makes sense to them and what doesn't. And a lot of the things even become outdated. The confusion spreads on who to follow and what to do. And then another 
messenger needs to come down and clarify things and redirect people. And as Baha'is, we believe that's the course of things, you know, that that's not something to feel confused about, that these some of these laws become outdated because they were given for a certain um, time of the maturity of humanity and that new laws will come and God will continue to guide us. But that that's just a part of um, progress and a part of our journey um, and our covenant with God. So that's one significance of Naruz. The other thing is that it happens at the end of the fasting period. It's this big festival celebration at the end of the fasting period. And I knew that, but I didn't realize until I read um, some more writings on it recently how much they're connected. So the writings actually say that Naruz is a festival ordained for those who have observed the fast for the love of God. So um, obviously it's important that it falls at the end of the fast, but also to... Um, recognize that it is very much linked to the fast as a celebration for that period. So this really stuck out for me as a beautiful concept um, because you're going from this period of sacrifice and refocusing. And so it's kind of like God's giving us the opportunity, in my mind, to do our inner spring cleaning. <laughs> you know, everyone knows about this idea of uh, spring cleaning where it's like, okay, winter's over and um, there's probably things that we can get rid of or that we can put away until next winter. So you're kind of doing this internal spring cleaning um, and then you have this joy of stepping into the new year that you're stepping in um, with those things at the forefront of your mind and having engaged in the process where you're kind of you're thinking about um, recentering yourselves and your morals and what's important and your connection with God and your commitment. And because Nairus is the beginning of the new year, my tip for a practical thing and just uh, living a Baha'i life that I wanted to share was to post the Batty calendar. And the Batty calendar is the calendar that we use in the Baha'i faith that has 19 months of 19 days and a Yamiha. And it's something that I didn't until this past year have memorized because we were still going so much off of the Gregorian calendar that I was aware of the body calendar, but I hadn't committed it to memory and I hadn't really like focused myself on knowing, you know, before each feast what month it was. So that's something that I wanted to do for myself. I'm hoping to write a book about it um, and, and also to do for our children. As a family activity, I think it would be a great idea to make some display cards of the different Baha'i months. So what I did is that I got a few different colors of construction paper, like thicker construction paper, and I put the name of a month in a circle on each of the pieces of construction paper, and I have it displayed a little bit high up so that the kids can't pull it down, um, but I have it displayed. And then every month, we have just a little mini laundry clip that we can go and move to the next month. And I just am very excited and I pick up my daughter and I say, oh, it's time, you know, to start the new month. And we take the clip and we move to the new, new month and we say the name of the month. So you could do that right before feast or after feast. So it's just a great way to have a visual reminder of the calendar altogether, but also create a practice where you're being aware of what month we're in. And each of the months 
have uh, a virtue, like they're all related to a word that's really powerful. Allah, the month that we fast, is loftiness. So this is the beauty of uh, the language that the um, faith was revealed in, is that these words are more than just names, but they have a very spiritual significance. And like I said, we just did it with thick construction paper and a Sharpie marker. Um, maybe I'll try to see if there's somewhere that I can post a picture of it if anyone is interested in seeing it. But you can use, you know, whatever you want that's a bit sturdy. And basically the main thing is you want to have some way to indicate what month that you're on that you can do an action that you can go and say, okay, now it's time to change to the next one. So now I'm going to move into the resource. So I was looking around, you know, what are some interesting things that we could have for Naru's, um, especially since we're most of us are probably not going to be going to big celebrations because we're encouraged to do the social distancing. So we're having a lot of Skype sessions or video calls or things like that. And the thing that I found was a culinary calendar of Persian recipes. So the Baha'i faith started in Iran and there is a lot of wonderful food. And my experience with Iranian culture, Persian culture, is that there's a lot of family orientation and a lot of hospitality. So there's a page on Etsy called Mitra Art, and they have created a calendar that has the months of the Baha'i year and has different Persian food recipes. And I thought, oh, this is great. It's already great because the food's good, <laughs> but... In addition, it's really nice because if you are spending a lot more time at home right now, you can go and get these ingredients and this could be a fun activity, you know, to pass the time, try out some new recipes. And if your children are older, it's something that you can do together. And if they're younger, they can just benefit from the home cooked food that you're having. So again, the name of it is the Baha'i Culinary Calendar with Persian Recipes. Like I said, it has a recipe for each month. So it has the names of the months translated from Arabic into English. And then it has um, the name of a dish and, of course, the ingredients and the instructions. And it's colorful and it has nice art. So I just think that it was a really cool initiative by Mitra Art to create this. All right, so... We've come to the end of the episode, and the end of this episode is going to be with a poem. Naruz by Andrea Hope The spring wind whispers, I've come to make things new. Let go the snow, the bitter cold, and sip the morning dew. The cobwebs call for cleaning, the minds and spirits too. The time has come, embrace the sun, and let the faithful bloom. To Mother is an individual initiative and provides only the personal reflections and insights of its creator. That's me. For more information about the Baha'i faith, including access to the official writings and contacts for Baha'is in your community, please visit Baha'i.org.